0: Uh, football at four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast and brought to you by Dr. Lyle M. Back. For everything from skin care to cosmetic surgery, go to ilovelyleback.com or call 856 Makeover for Dr. Lyle M. Back. Proud sponsor of Football at Four. Jeff Mosher is in the house today from the Inside the Birds podcast. And we've got, uh, I guess, new news to somewhat uh, extent here. Uh, the potential trade partners unwilling to meet the demands, Jeff Mosher, of a Carson Wentz trade. Is this surprising to hear? I mean, is this just uh, how this is going to go? What happened on Saturday that it sounded like this was imminent, that uh, it was going to be in the coming days? Wednesday's got to be the coming day, right?
1: Well, I mean, I I guess it depends on the uh, depth of imminent. I I feel like for for fans especially – like one day feels like a month, right? So every day that goes by, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe there was no action. And really it's only it's only Wednesday. I mean, we released our podcast on Monday, Inside the Birds, myself and Adam, and said we felt it was imminent and that would happen this week. And we've still got today, tomorrow, and Friday left. But to your your point on the gamesmanship of trades, I think that's that's what you see. I mean, obviously, the Eagles want a lot. And obviously the teams involved are looking and saying there's some risk on our end and giving up a lot for a guy who was benched and come here that he did. And, and so this go, this is how negotiations go and how he's pretty good at it. So it doesn't surprise me that nothing's been done yet. I just much is going to change between now and when the deal eventually gets done. I don't know who's going to sweeten the pot if they don't feel like there's a great offer out there. And if there were a great, Two first round pick off for out. I think it's safe to
0: now. You just said uh, that's something how he's good at. I thought he was the
1: worst. Who said that he's the worst? People <laughs> say trades? that.
0: People say that. He's the biggest problem. He's got to go. But you just said he's good at something.
1: Well, listen, Andy Reid is great at winning games. He got fired. I, you know, let's not take what, what people say and hold him to, to one part of it. He is good at trades. He's uh, not always great at everything. And, you know, Certainly people who have been more accomplished than Howie Roseman as general managers have gotten fired, so – I'm not going to sit here and tell you how he shouldn't or or should or shouldn't get fired. There's evidence on both sides.
0: No, and, 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 you know, I'm kind of kid, but this is a spot where Howie has done well in the past. He has done a good job at playing his cards in trade. So if you don't like his drafting or you don't like the, the personal relationships he's built with some of these people, this is the time. Look, there was a time when the fans dubbed this Howie season. They had that much trust in him that he got his own name of a season, and this was part of it, that he got guys in trades Brandon Brooks, he was able to trade guys off like Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso that had bad contracts. So if there mm-hmm. is one time of the year where you should trust Roseman, it is how he's playing this Wentz, Wentz thing. But you know, I got to ask you, Mosh. I mean, uh, teams are saying that the demands are oh, they they're treating him like he's Matthew Stafford. I mean, should he be doing that?
1: No, I don't. I you know, I don't think so. I don't think that's fair. I, I know that. Statistically speaking, over the course of their career, there's probably a lot of similarities between Wentz and Matthew Stafford, as far as you know, playing at high levels as their numbers would suggest. But Matthew Stafford was never benched before, and I don't know that Matthew Stafford ever had a year uh, like like Carson just had there. And recency bias is a big part of trades. Whenever you know, just think about yourself in fantasy football, basketball, whatever. You are always afraid to draft that guy who's coming off a pretty lousy year. Even if that guy has a pretty consistent record, it's just always that 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 sits with you. Is this guy ever going to be what he was again? And I'm sure that you know in real life those concerns are out there too. I do think you know take a team like the Colts. I've been told that the Colts don't see it as so risky because they have a good coaching uh, familiarity there. They have Frank Reich. They have Press Taylor. um, They have a great offensive line. So I don't know that they necessarily see this as risky as maybe the Chicago Bears or another team that might be involved but it's still nonetheless a guy coming coming off a a pretty bad year which means you have to you have to put a lot of energy into rebuilding him and there's just no guarantee that you're going to get what you want what you once saw from Carson Wentz. I forget if we
2: brought this up on Monday or not but would putting Ertz in a deal with Wentz make it more interesting?
1: No, Hunter, the Eagles will not take Carson uh, to Micah Parson at number eight. We talk about this all the time. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think it's, it would be smart. I have no idea if Zach Ertz's uh, name has come up in the discussion of a trade. But I do think it would be smart if you're the Colts, knowing that both Wentz and Ertz are, are probably going to be on the outs to try to put together a package and see what you can. I mean, the, the Colts do have – some decent tight ends, right? They had the Mo Ali Cox guy, the the former uh, basketball player who who caught a bunch of touchdowns for them. I don't know how many yards he had, but he seemed to uh, flash in the touchdown production area. And then they have, you know, do they still have Jack Doyle? I think he was with the team last year. But I think Ertz would give them something more of a a consistent target at the tight end position. Do you think think mm
0: -hmm. that adding Ertz to a deal brings back more in return? Or is that just, hey, we know – Yeah, I was just about to say – Right. We know you want to get rid of Ertz's contract, so it's almost like you throw him in because we're helping you out.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the Ertz contract doesn't hurt the Eagles that much because the guaranteed money is is pretty much off. There's not a lot. Um, But the same factor that you have with Carson Wentz, you have with Zach Ertz, and that he's coming off a year, which was not very good. And I know he was hurt for a lot of it, but even before he got hurt, he was not having a very good year. He was not as productive. He's a he's a player, not, not an old player, but 30-year-old player. So I don't know that all of a sudden you're getting that extra first-round pick that you're looking for because Zach Ertz is involved in the deal. Uh, I, I don't think it's as much of a sweetener, but it could be something that just helps make the Colts stand out as the best trade partner.
2: It's not possible that, or is it possible that this doesn't go down? And Carson Wentz is back next year? I mean, what what are the chances in your mind that that is actually the case?
1: You know, I know I've heard it out there uh, that that's a possibility. And I'm of the belief, and this is just me speaking, and of course from, from speaking to, to people around the league, but no one's telling me one way or another yes or no. But I'm of the belief that they're, they're too far over the bridge here, that they are past the point of no return. The name's been out there. The teams have been out there. People need quarterbacks. You know, uh, even if it's not the Colts or the Bears, maybe it gets rekindled with another team and it's not as much compensation. But I, I just don't see how Carson Wentz can come back to this team at this point unless major, major fences are, are mended. And I, you know, I don't have the knowledge if, if, if they're trying to mend the fence. And I would say said, if, if they're trying to deal with him, I'm not sure they're trying to mend the fence.
0: If they said today, Howie Roseman has stepped down. Do you think Wentz would, seriously, like almost like Clintac did, he just stepped down. If Howie Wentz, Roseman said, I'm stepping down, do you think Wentz would change his tune?
1: You know, I don't know, Mike, um, because, I, you know, as I much like as you will.
0: We- and you can, mm-hmm. maybe, I feel like most people feel that Roseman is the problem, no? Or is Lori the problem? Does he, not well, like I mean, Does he not like Roseman? Does he not like both of them?
1: Well, obviously, you know, Doug was part of the problem. I mean, that's, well, that's not. And, and he's gone now, right? But Carson still want doesn't to want to come back. So, you know, is Jeffrey Lurie part of the problem? I have not heard that. So I is it just the way the organization does business? I mean, does he hasn't felt supported uh, for a variety of reasons. We've talked about that on the podcast. You know, you can go back to, uh, at one point, Michael Silver's report that he has poor sloppy practice habits. Well, I guess what I would have to know to really answer that question, Mike, is if he's blaming some of this lack of support on Howie and Howie only. So I don't know that. Um, you know, my guess would be per- perhaps there would be some saving grace if they had a different general manager in, but I don't know that for a fact.
0: All right. Uh, one of the uh, reports out today as well kind of insinuates that the Colts have asked for a player along with Wentz to kind of help close the gap there, but that Chicago is growing impatient with the Eagles. It sounds like, Mosh, and you can speak to this maybe more that the two teams that sound like the best fits are starting to get a little impatient with you. So it's almost those two teams, you know, it's either you got to figure out something quick or you might be out of suitors.
1: Right. Now, it makes me wonder, you know, is that real? Not that, that I'm sure it was said. I don't think the report is made up. But if you're the Bears, are you purposely saying you're impatient because you're trying to, you know, give the Eagles the inclination that you might be looking in another direction for a quarterback. Uh, I thought it was very interesting yesterday that there was a report that the Colts uh, are all of a sudden having their focus on Matt Ryan in Atlanta. So uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, but that came from uh, Dan Dakich or from Indianapolis uh, yeah, Sports from India. Talk Radio. And that's former the same West, guy who...
0: Former West Virginia basketball coach for 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, there you go. It's the same guy who had... Um, Chris Ballard on his on his radio show last week I believe so um I think that that was fairly interesting and that could just again be all part of the gamesmanship we see it all the time and uh it's hard to know what's real what's being fabricated and pushed out there and uh or or both you know maybe the Bears are impatient and but they don't mind and they don't mind saying it to see if it forces the issue should they feel pressured
2: considering this needs to get done before the new league year starts
1: I would think so. Wait, you know, no? I, I would think that the Eagles don't want to have to pay all the money that kicks in. Um, I know that's been said that if if they don't get what they want, you can still hold on to them. You can bring them back and then do what you've done in the past, and that's wait for a quarterback to get hurt. And all of a sudden, you got a shiny new Carson Wentz who's, you know, you can talk about how rebuilt he is because everybody looks good in OTAs at training camp and, and maybe pawn him off. But I, I feel personally – that Howie would like to get this done sooner than later. And I think that's better for the organization. I don't I don't know that you want this hovering over you all spring and summer long.
0: I can't imagine that you would. And as you said, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Let me ask you this. If they legitimately had a first-round pick on the table, do you think that deal would be done by now?
1: No. I think that there's a chance they could get a first. There's also a chance, by the way, that they, oh, they, they that won't that, that, they get multiple twos
0: or something. No, mm-hmm. there's a chance that they could. I guess mm-hmm. my question is, if they already did get a first, would Howie say, you're going to give me a first? I'll take that deal.
1: No, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I think it's possible that they already do have that, but Howie is trying to hold out to at least get more right. and that his fallback is to take that first. I don't think a first makes him just do it right this second. I think eventually he'll probably wind up just settling for that and and maybe a little less, you know, maybe maybe two twos or maybe that first is next year and not this year. Uh, it all depends, but I, I don't think he's going to just jump at at that kind of offer. I could be wrong, but I don't I don't see it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean I think at this point, you know, the Bears and the Colts are both in that same range, twenty and twenty one. I mean, at the end of the day, it sounds like, hey, if you had the twentieth pick or the twenty first pick on the table right now, wouldn't you kind of be like, I'm I don't know that I'm getting much better than that. I don't know. Maybe he feel maybe he feels like he's getting more calls than we think he's getting.
1: Well, that that's just the thing, you know. I think that those are are fair offers, any either of those picks, and I think Howie knows that inside um, if that's being offered. Uh, but there's no shame in just trying to trying to make it seem like you have a little bit more, you know. If you've got the thing you have when you when you're Howie in this case is you at least have enough interest from more than one team so that you can create the perception of bidding war or leverage. You know, ah, the Bears are going to give me their first and a player. So now you go back to the Colts and you're like, well, your first is a little bit lower. So it's basically the same, not the same, but can you offer a better player than this guy? Or can you offer me a better pick to sweeten it? And you play one versus the other until, until, you know, one of the teams calls your bluff, which may be going on right now with both the Bears and the Colts.
2: There was a time that we thought Joe Banner's leash was so long and it, it would you know, be there forever. And he was eventually gone. Does this feel like with Howie, he is now at that point where he's at that road and he can either go left or right. And what happens here in the next couple of years could be the downfall of Howie, or it could be the complete opposite. And he kind of rebuilds himself again, but does this feel like that moment where maybe that leash isn't as long depending on what happens next year and and maybe the year following?
1: I, I think so, Hunter. I mean, look, it's, it's a very weird subject when I talk to people who are in the know, you know, some tell me that, you know, Jeffrey relies on Howie so much to navigate the league, to understand what's going on out there, you know, for head coaching searches that he'll never fire him. Um, But like you said, you heard that about Joe Banner as well. Uh, Other people would have told me, you know, in the past year and a half that Jeffrey, you know, wants to make sure everything is a smooth ship and he sees what's going on. And he, and he, you know, he's not as in love with Howie as uh, maybe it's perceived to be. Uh, I, I just know, look, everybody, has an expiration date at some point. I can guarantee you, if the Eagles have a losing season next year, and then maybe another one, that's going to come back down on, on someone. I don't. I don't think Howie is untouchable. I know a lot of people think that, but again, you go back to how how Jeffrey fired uh, Joe Banner. I don't think anybody is unfireable.
0: I would agree that no one's unfireable. I. I. I you know, we talk about. How much value does Lori place on the success that this team has had that Roseman's been a part of that? You know, I, we talk about a lot. They've had one back-to-back losing season in, man, 20 years. How many franchises right. can say that? We've only had one back-to-back losing season. You know, they very few infrequently have losing seasons, and yet people think that they got the worst GM, the worst coach, the worst, I mean, of, of everything. And they're like, you're Jeffrey Lori saying, all we've done is win. We might not right. have won the Super Bowl, but we're constantly winning. Like, what more do you want from us? I mean, so that's why. Right, I- but
1: but but think about that, right? Andy Reid, how long did he coach? How successful was he? Eventually, at the end, it became a situation where Jeffrey felt like, just like with Joe Banner, like, you know, it's better for the franchise to move on. He is very conscious of public relations and. Now, I'm not saying that drives his decisions, but he's very, the whole organization is. And right now, I think you would argue, even in past losing years, there's probably more public disappointment in Howie Roseman now than there has ever been. So factor that in. And factoring in that Jeffrey tends to look at the micro and the macro. So he could do exactly what you're saying, Mike. Continue to look at the macro and look at all of the winning that they've done in general over 20 years. He could look at the micro and say – well, I guess Howie, since coming back from uh, from banishment from Chip, right? I mean, it, it's been seven years. What are they? Four in the playoffs, three out, or three in the playoffs, four out? It's something like that. It's not nearly as successful in the micro as, except for the Super Bowl, of course. But if as if you parlayed it out twenty years, and he could also just look at it and say Howie has been great, just like Andy was great and Joe was great. But I've reached the point where I need a fresh, fresh perspective. You know, I mean, he fired a guy who won a Super Bowl. So I think it's fair, it's fair to say that that uh, he could fire at some point in, in his uh, tenure here. He could fire Howie Roseman
0: um, if the if the Colts and Bears are no longer a part of this. Uh, can they put the toothpaste back in the tube?
1: Man, if the Colts and Bears move on, there's still teams that are looking for quarterbacks. I mean, the Jets may be looking to move on from Sam Darnold. Uh, I've heard the Niners uh, being involved with you know looking around at, uh, as far as. Um, Garoppolo is concerned, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the Texans. Uh, a couple of teams are probably going to draft a quarterback there at the top five or 10 of the draft, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's the, the jets and then may want to move on from what they've got and maneuver. And it kind of opens up the, the league. So I, I still think that there'll be a dance partner, but the point would be if you don't get anything done with the Colts and the bears, you start to wonder exactly what kind of value, They they will get in return for Carson Wentz.
0: Right, that's the question I would have: is do those two teams are they willing to give up the most? If you're starting to go to other teams, do you start to say, "Yeah, we're interested," but now we're only like we talked about this the other day. If you end up making a trade with like San Francisco and getting Garoppolo back, would you rather just try to fix Wentz and try again with Wentz, or take Garoppolo?
1: It depends. If I can convince if I can convince Carson to put let bygones be bygones, then. I would probably try to do that. If it's the writings on the wall that he just wants out, then it becomes a very untenable situation. You still have the leverage, Mike, right? You could still say, too bad, you're not getting out, report to camp, or else you're going to lose a whole lot of money in fines. But that's not a good, that's not healthy, and that's not good for the organization.
0: Do they, though? Like, there are people out there that think the Eagles are losing leverage here.
1: Well, there's a difference between losing leverage in a trade, right, and losing leverage just overall in your situation with the quarterback. They have the leverage. They can literally sit there and say, Carson, if we don't trade you and you don't show up, you're going to lose a massive amount of money. He can, he can pull a Le'Veon Bell and say, hey, I've made a massive amount of money already on this contract. I'll take the year off. I, I don't know. I mean, leverage is, only, leverage is as good as literally the day that you're talking about it and the decision that someone is willing to make to exercise what they've got. So obviously it wouldn't be good for the Eagles if Carson looked at his funds and said, you know what, I don't mind sitting out a year, but it's not good for Carson to be coming off a terrible year and then to miss another year of football. How good is that for him when his contract has to be restructured wherever he goes next? So, you know, again, leverage is also in the eye of the beholder.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. And we were kind of trying to figure this out earlier. What would the reaction be if Carson Wentz came back to play at Lincoln Financial Field in another uniform? Do you think that the the fans that think that it's all the organization's fault would give him like a, yeah, you know, we're happy that you're back and we want you to, well, maybe not succeed because it would be against the Eagles. But would he be booed heavily and criticized insanely? Do you think that there would be some respect involved? How do you think it would play out?
1: I, I suspect there will be a mixture of cheers and boos, you know, and there's a lot to find out. Like, let's say he gets traded and he does a press conference and he's, sl- you know, he slams Eagles fans or he slams people that Eagles like, I, you know, it all depends on, on the words that come out of his mouth when he finally does talk.
2: He's probably going to say, I got to be better.
1: Right. Yeah, probably. I'm I'm guessing he's not going to really say anything. So lightning rodish that everybody's going to be like, Oh my God, I can't believe Carson Wentz said that, but. He will be judged on what he says, nonetheless.
0: This is uh, interesting, Uh, nonetheless. Obviously, we uh, continue to keep our eyes on it. The Inside the Birds podcast drops tomorrow morning. They're on the Monday-Thursday schedule now uh, for the Inside the Birds podcast, so make sure you check out the latest tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. I want to ask you, uh, Todd McShay's latest mock draft, Jamar Chase goes number six to Philly. The reason that's interesting is because all three – Wideouts were on the board at six, and they went with Chase of the the, the pick of the litter. would Would that be something you think, think uh, uh, Eagles fans would be okay with?
1: Wow, how many quarterbacks did he have going to the top four five row. there? Wow, all four, one, four two, three, row, four quarterbacks.
0: Five was the tackle, and then <sighs> Chase went to the Eagles, and then he had the three receivers. Boom, boom, boom. Six, right. seven.
1: Eight. Right. Yeah. Well, that does seem like a, a, at that point it's advantageous for the Eagles if if assuming they're going ahead with Jalen Hurts that you know the best skill position player players fall to them and then it's best player available or that fits your scheme. You know, I do think a guy like Chase would be good for them just because he's he's very well rounded. You don't have to worry about per se like Devonte Smith being too light or getting hurt or anything like that. Uh, I mean he's he's a physical receiver. He does everything well. At that point, I think you're just blessed to be able to be able to choose between all of those uh, those three guys. So uh, I could see that. I could definitely see that happening.
0: <laughs> then you're leaving yourself in position to say that you picked the wrong one. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> that's a good point. If you went with the cornerback, right? If you went with um, Sertain, nobody's going to say, "Oh, I can't believe you passed on like J.C. Horn or something or somebody else like that." I, yeah, I the guess. But here though is oh, you.
2: People were pissed because you went with the TCU receiver instead of the LSU receiver. Now it's I'm going with the LSU receiver. What do you want me to do? Go to the Big Twelve? The Alabama the one. Alabama guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's just yeah. Funny at that.
1: the end of the day, you're you're skipping on another national champion, All right? <laughs> well,
0: the last time Jamar Chase played? They won the national champion. Remember he opted out. What about For that? Course. The fact that he opted out this year. Does that? Well, Parsons opted out too. I guess you wouldn't have a problem with him.
1: I, well, I have no problem with him because I'm a Penn State fan, but I just don't see the Eagles drafting a middle linebacker. I guess he's kind of being considered one of those tweener now, like Isaiah Simmons types who can possibly play safety. You know, I, I don't know. I'm the I watched him at Penn State, and I thought he's like a great downhill linebacker. I know he can run, but I don't know if he can play that that hybrid. and that's that's for, you know, my Intel gathering over the next few months. but I just I can't imagine them doing it anyway, as long as Howie Roseman is still in charge. Although I will say this, and um, we don't have the information yet, but we really need to find out what the preferences in style and scheme are for both Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon. You know, Gannon's going to run a 4-3, but some 4-3 teams do place more emphasis on linebacker than others. So if he's really big into linebackers, I, you know, can he, conv- can he be the one to convince – Uh, howie roseman of what jim schwartz could not which was to take a linebacker really high in the first round i guess we'll see
0: all right uh football at four powered by the inside the birds podcast jeff mosher our guest today Carson Wentz is still an Eagle. We'll find out the latest, of course, uh, throughout the next coming days, weeks, hours, months. Who knows when Carson might be traded, but uh, it seems that we do still think it is going to happen. Uh, so keep it locked here for football at four powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. And make sure you listen tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. to the latest edition of Inside the Birds with Jeff Mosher and Adam Kaplan. All right, Mosher, take care, man.
1: Uh, you guys rock. Good stuff today, man. Take, All take, right. care. Take you hey, like
0: there. August appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. This is the Sports Bash. It is 97.3 ESPN. And don't forget, you can watch the show live on our website, 97.3ESPN.com. And we have a lot to still do today, including the Phillies. want to get into some Phillies stuff today because they made a interesting signing, two interesting signings today, actually. But at 97.3ESPN.com right now, I have three signings they can make to help them make the playoffs. They made one of those today. Kind of. We'll explain coming up. Sports Bash is, uh, excuse me, Football at Four is brought to you by Dr. Lyle M. Back for everything from skin care to cosmetic surgery. Go to ilovelyleback.com or call 856-MAKEOVER for Dr. Lyle M. Back, proud sponsor of Football at Four. All right, when we come back, we got plenty more for you, including a little Philly stuff. We're going to get into this went stuff, too. You can continue to post your comments. On the video streamer, hit us up on the text board, 609-403-0973. And don't forget, watch the show live at 97.3ESPN.com. Yeah, watch the show live on our website, 97.3ESPN.com. Mike and Broads with you till 6 o'clock tonight. We're going to talk a little baseball later with Frank, by the way. Frank Close will join us at 5.30 tonight because the Phillies made a couple of uh, moves today. Now, one of them, they brought in former All-Star outfielder Matt Joyce. Made an All-Star game with the uh, Rays, I think, back in 2011, and they've also signed they signed reliever Brandon Kinsler to a one-year deal. Now. Most might be like, who the hell is that? Well, he was the close to walk right into the closer job, Kinsler. but he's a guy who they have a couple of options now as the closer. I don't think any of them are great, but they got a couple of options
2: where last year they had none. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that, and I think this is definitely a good one. Now It says here, Ken Rosenthal said that he actually turned down a major league deal from the Marlins, for a chance to make more money, you know, his terms is a minor league deal.
0: Yeah, well, if you saw the Phillies bullpen, you'd try to get that deal, too.
2: Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, you get a significant I think it's, the funny thing is, Ricky Bowe last year during a post-game, during one of his fantastic grants that he had, uh, pretty much took a shot at the Marlins and and who they were, and then Kinsler was a guy who was outspoken back towards Ricky Bo, and now they're going to be on the the same squad. I
0: well, so. I think it's more like who are the Marlins? How do you lose to the Marlins? Like we had this thought in our head that they're the Marlins. They stink. Like nobody should be worse than the Marlins, right? And you were <laughs> like. You were. There's no doubt about it. How many people in the
2: listening audience had any idea who Brandon Kinsler even is? Oh, I mean, there's probably, I would say 99.9% of people didn't know who he was. Exactly. So that's the thing is you've got a guy that no one's
0: ever heard of shutting you down and being a part of a team
2: that's beating you. And you're like, how does this team constantly for example, we, we started the show talking about the Sixers. I want to see it in the playoffs. I wanna say, and that's just how I am with basketball. And and I feel the same way with the Flyers hockey right now. And how I am, but we just get sucked into thinking that they're gonna be better than what they are every year. It's like, oh, I think that they can maybe do something. Like right now, I'm telling myself, well, can they make that last wild card team? In what world should I be thinking that? There's no way I should, but I do. I don't know why. It's just for baseball. I mentioned you I love the 10 o'clock starts with baseball. I do. I don't know why. I'm a weirdo with this sport. I really am. Look, they can make the playoffs.
0: And look, there was a report today. This is kind of interesting that we can kind of get in. And Frank's going to join us in about an hour. We'll kind of get a little deeper. Um, We'll get a little deeper into it with Frank coming up. And one of the things that he mentioned um, that was mentioned today, I guess Joe Girardi spoke today, and he mentioned that, Gene Segura is going to open up the season at second base, not Scott Kingery, that Kingery is essentially going to go back to that super utility role. So that's one thing. The other thing that was mentioned today that I thought was is newsworthy to kind of bring out is it was Dave Dombrowski who said that the team has still not decided what to do with Odubel Herrera.
2: Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I, I pretty much figured that that was – Just a done deal. That was, we're done with you. You did what you did. But maybe, and I'm not saying this is organization something over the last handful of years where he really made a commitment to improve himself. Like, that's the only way I could imagine to take him back would be if he made this real-life commitment decision to, to go through some sort of counseling and to, to really prove this is who I, I am, a changed human. I'm not, Like I said, I don't know how to really feel about that. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just trying to say, if you are going to think about bringing him back, you would have to imagine something like that happened.
0: Well, keep in mind, two things. One and I am not an advocate of bringing him back. I said the day that whatever happened, you know, when that happened, um, that I would have just cut ties of them. to that be question that slips into your subconscious. Well, Herrera's not, what's the you know, just get rid of him, prove a point. I, I don't think the level of player should come into play here. I think his contract certainly did, but that being said, he has not played, he's 29 years old. He has not played in a game since going back to what mid no early 2019. He only played 39 games. So he's almost missed two,
2: almost full seasons. Would we be would we even be having this conversation if you didn't have a hole in center field? If it wasn't the Hazley and Roman Quinn, yes. w, you would you would think well, we'd still have it?
0: I think so because, because of the contract financially because they could there's a reason why he's still here they have to cover the contract that they signed he's due around 13.8 million uh between his salary between now and then he has club options for 22 and 23 so they still owe him a decent amount of money that's why they didn't cut ties with the
2: guy yeah yeah it's weird i was shocked when i saw that news come out as if they're even questioning it and that's where i'm trying to think well if they're questioning it something had to have happened behind the scenes that we are unaware of. Because if nothing changed, it's hard for me to think that they just thought, oh, time will fix things and we're going to bring back the same guy after doing what he did. That's the only reason why I bring that up. But it it, it definitely adds a a different dynamic here and who knows what they're going to do. Does Scott Kingery play center field now? Can he win that everyday role?
0: I don't know that it's going to be an everyday center fielder. I think he will just be part of a three-headed monster out there. Plus, keep in mind, Last year, you had games where, and I think Matt Joyce being brought in will be a part of this as well, where Andrew McCutcheon was the DH because of the knee. They didn't want him playing in the outfield. They didn't want play in defense. Joyce will take over that um, Jay Bruce role. But I also think that you'll have Kingery available. That means uh, to play center field now because he won't be at second base. That means you use hastily some in left field. You could turn into a platoon where you have hastily against righties. McCutcheon against lefties, it gives you a little bit more versatility because one problem with Jay Bruce was he wasn't a great defensive outfielder.
2: No, he was not. Uh, another thing, too, Dede needs a night off or Gene Segura needs a night off. You're going to slide Scott Kingery right in there. And I know some look at the COVID-19 situation for Scott Kingery and say that's a big reason why he had that downfall year. And that could play a role for sure. He had that bad of a season that it's possible that COVID-19 and everything he fought through early on, impacted his season i also feel though that he's just not the guy that we might have thought he was going to be when he got him that Who contractor Haseley.
0: oh it's Scott go kingery. Oh, kingery, kingery yeah well and, and we'll talk to frank about this uh at 5 30 tonight he did have covid last year it impacts everybody a little differently we saw what happened to seth curry like he had it then he came back and he wasn't himself he just kind of get it's been about a month for seth curry I don't know how much that really affected Scott Kingery. Maybe he was affected a little differently than other people.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm just – I'm kind of – he is what he is kind of guy. And I like the fact that you have versatility. I just want to have a guy that can play third base, shortstop, second base, center field. Like He can play a lot of areas, which is good. I just – I just expected a little bit more out of him when we first heard oh, the, the, the
0: Expected a lot out of him. Why? Well, gave him the contract. Yeah. If they didn't give him the contract, you're not thinking that he has been disappointing to me. Now, I was down in spring training the first year in 2018 and saw him play and was like, dude, this kid is, he's legit. He's the real deal. And for whatever reason, they gave him the contract. And I think they saw kind of maybe what I saw was, dude, this kid's just, he's, he just, He had the feel, like, I don't want to say Utley, but, like, that kind of, like, grinder, always hustling, you know, just makes, always makes the right move, and he has just, for whatever reason, never really found his footing in that season. The second year, he got off the, but he hit two fifty eight. he had 19 home runs. That's what stands out to me. Yeah, the pop, the pop that second year was definitely a difference maker. Yeah, and, and, and I don't know why I've been disappointed by him, but. Much like you say, I have optimism that I think the Phillies can make the playoffs. I have optimism that I think Kinger can be one of those guys that ends up turning things around. Now, maybe the organization disagrees and they just see him as a super utility guy at this point.
2: He's a guy that maybe you can use as trade value or something.
0: Well, it- keep in mind now, too, you have DD, who they just uh, they announced that today that uh, he's back on a two year, $28 million deal to play shortstop. Um, but you can give Didi a day off with Kingery. You can give Segura a day off with Kingery. You can give Boehm a day off with Kingery. And Reese, because you can put Boehm at first, and then he can play third. Right, he can play center. I'm imagining because he can play center, that means hastily can play left field. So Kingery will probably get enough playing time to give him another shot here, I would think. I don't think you're going to see him just not be a part of the everyday nine. I think they're going to try to find ways to keep him getting regular at bat. I
2: agree with you more I think so he's... than
0: Phil Gosselin, who
2: ah disappointing guy went to the Los Angeles. I'm huh? playing Bum, for yeah, the Angels. Huh? Yeah, come on, that was a hell of a run he had last year. It was.
0: <laughs> that was some run yeah. that he had. It was
2: fun. Yeah. Loved it.
0: But Kingery though played 36 games last year. He only hit 159. He is, you know, he was terrible. I mean, just awful last year. But you wonder how much of that was COVID.
2: You know, he, he... I call Kingery every time. I swear to God, he'd get up to the plate, he'd fall out. Yeah, two. but you
0: know what though, you're right, and he had the look in his face of just utter no no confidence. Like every time he strikes out, he looks back
2: at the pitcher like,
0: how did you do that?
2: Yeah, same you with know? Reese when he went through that funk. It was similar. You could tell by the body language. It's like when a guy walks up to the free throw line. You could tell if he wants to be there or not. Scott Kingery was sort of phased by, by the moment and there were times where Reese Hoskins and and that's another guy. What the hell can we expect out of Reese Hoskins? I have no clue. I have no idea. I don't know that's a good point. I haven't really followed much up on where he is in terms of rehab. Have I, you seen anything I recently? did see
0: a video of him about a week or so ago that suggested that he was planning on hoping to be ready by opening day. Okay. So I guess maybe he might be back, but I'm not 100% sure. We'll talk to Frank about that coming up in about 45 minutes. But look, there's three things the Phillies can still do. They can still add to this bullpen. They just added Kinsler today. So that's another veteran arm. Bradley's a major upgrade. He doesn't have a ton of closer experience. He has 28 saves in 255 games. I would imagine he would get the ball in the ninth inning. They got uh, Alvarado from uh, Tampa Tampa Bay. Bay. Uh, Coonrod from San Francisco. They brought in Nova and Anderson. And I would imagine that if Anderson doesn't win the job in the rotation, that he could possibly possibly slip to the bullpen. I think Brogdon's a guy. I like him a lot. I think they can – You know, uh, utilize his um, fastball. I mean, use him possibly in a setup role. Rosenthal's still available. So I think they could still maybe add another bullpen piece to this thing.
2: Is David Hale someone they brought back as well from last year too, right? but he stinks. Yeah, he's brutal. He is for sure. But look, we talk about it all the time. Relievers have years where they're great out of nowhere. Adam Morgan at one point had a stretch where no one had an earned run against him in in like a whole couple months. And I was like, wow, look at this. Adam Morgan. Everyone has those stretches. So (laughs) the other – The starting pitching, there's three guys they were
0: connected to last week, Paxton, uh, Odorazi, and uh, Walker. If they bring in one of those guys, I would feel a lot better because then you get Howard Velasquez Anderson Moore, and then one of those three guys competing for two spots. I think Ranger Suarez is another guy to keep an eye on. Remember, he got COVID last year too, and he was
2: out for a while. He was like a long time. We were like, What is happening with him? That's how I mean, that's how long he was knocked out for. And then you have to find another outfield option because
0: I think running it back with Hasley and Quinn is cause for concern. And they kind of did that today by telling us that Segura is going to play second. Kind of the message is. Hey, you now have Kingery. Now, is is that three-headed monster in center field good enough for you?
2: If you fixed all of the if, – if you constantly attack the bullpen and your hole is center field, like if you told me they ran it with the three-headed monster in center field, but they really made a conscious effort to attack the bullpen, then I could be satisfied because you're not going to fix everything. I mean, that's just too much to really do in one offseason. I guess you have to live with it. Uh, Sports fast Live, 97.3 ESPN. Hey, I want to tell you about my
0: friends over at PropSwap.com. Look, if you're not using the PropSwap app yet, you're really not a smart prop better. All you need to do is download the PropSwap app or go to PropSwap.com, and it's real simple. If you're someone who bets futures or if you bet like a parlay that has multiple legs to the parlay, a three-teamer, a four-teamer, a five-teamer, you can buy that ticket. And then sell it on prop swap for whatever you want. You set the price. So if you have a ticket for a futures bet, you know, a buddy of mine bought Justin Herbert to win the rookie of the year at plus three thousand when the when the season started. He wasn't even the starting quarterback yet. You know how much he just cashed in that, that ticket for 7500 dollars What he could have done is sold it on prop swap for even more than that if he got in on that a little while earlier. So do what I would do. If you have a prop bet, go to PropSwap.com or use the Prop Swap app and check that out at PropSwap.com, where America buys and sells sports bets. It's the Sports Bash. This is 97.3 ESPN. Don't forget, you can watch the show live at 97.3 ESPN.com. Every day, go to our website and watch the show right on your television, laptop, or phone. It's the Bash. Coming up, Frank Close. Hey, watch the show live right now at 97.3 ESPN.com. Now, we've got a ton of comments that I never really got a chance to get to, but uh, we'll try to pop some of these up on the screen and uh, go through them real fast. Well, one of the things about the Phillies that I do want to touch on that before we – I was just talking to Frank uh, off the air here. He's going to be coming up at 5.30 – because I told him, you know, we're you know about this Kingery Segura thing, and he's like, oh, I kind of figured they were going to do that." And I said to him, "What about playing Bowman first, Segura at third, Kingery at second, and then Hoskins? You know, if he wasn't ready, that's the problem. I think if Hoskins hadn't got hurt, you think they would have tried to trade him? Possibly. Like would that have
2: been their off season move? Poss- possibly. If you got someone who can pitch, but what is his value? Clearly, there's teams that would be interested in a guy who can crush a lot of home runs, but it depends on what you're kind of looking for. Now we were throwing the hypothetical out before the injury that if you could trade Reese Hoskins for a starting pitcher, would you do that? My answer to that is is yes, of course. So if you could have landed a starting pitcher, then yeah, I would have been very, very supportive. Yeah, I'm not. uh, I have not been a big Hoskins guy. He has not been. Other than the the
0: 18 game, uh, the 18 home run, uh, 50 game stretch, he has to me
2: been somewhat of a disappointment it's like the highs are high but the lows are just abysmal you know and i know that's baseball in 162 you're going to go through stretches but when he does get a hold of them he'll he'll go through a five six seven eight game stretch where he's putting them out of the ballpark and it's great batting behind what the problem is part of it bros i don't like second yeah, yeah i don't like where they hit him because he walks and that's the thing it's like we have a guy who can crush you an obnoxious amount of homers but because of how much he walked, and because Bryce Harper hit behind him, they really valued that. And it's like you're taking – he would look to walk, but you got to look to hit a homer. You're that special guy, right? I mean, you're you're looking to walk too much.
0: Yeah, I don't love him hitting the two-hole. It crushed him. And it's like its he's the wrong guy in that, like – Because okay. his OBP was so great. Well, because he gets on base, but he doesn't have a lot of speed. He clogs up the bases, so he's not a great, like – on-base kind of guy that you want. You know, you want him to be the guy that drives the guys in. Great, now he's on second base because
2: he hit a double rather than him being on first base because he walked. Yeah, I'm with you. But the way they valued it last year was, well, Reese, Reese Hoskins will get on base, and Bryce Harper's getting you know, like, behind them. Well, I, like, the fact, though, that um, Kapler did that, and then
0: Girardi did it, too, well, I was Well, uh, it's a
2: Matt the, the GMs hand those cards down and tell you what to do at, at this point. It's really how baseball is kind of at now. The managers have lost a I'm not going to say they do nothing but the power that they used to have. Yeah. nowhere even close to where it is God, now. God that
0: makes me sick.
2: Yeah, yeah, the GMs have a lot to say. But maybe Dave Nabrowski is different and he said that he wants to mix scouting with analytics and he wants to bring he clearly brings back a little bit of old school. So I wonder if he allows Joe Girardi to have more of a feel of the game than most would if if they were in position of power. Maybe Dombrowski looks at Joe Girardi as a guy right. that I can look at and trust to make baseball decisions is out there. Is Sam
0: Fold going to write the lineup card out? I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, seriously, like, if we say this is what baseball has become, is Dave Dombrowski
2: going to write the Well, lineup? that would – now, that is more of a reasonable question. Would Dave Dombrowski be the guy to do it? And he is an older generation guy, so it's possible that he is going to allow Joe Girardi to make those calls. You think that – he will dial that back. It's possible. And, yeah, I do like think said, it's possible. I really already
0: kind of like, Hey, Girardi's won a uh, Super Bowl, a world series. Let
2: him be the guy who makes those decisions. He knows these guys. I I really do think that that's on the table. And we'll, I think we'll be able to tell. Don't you, do you think we'll be able to tell if you, if it's
0: different field, you think if all of a sudden uh, Hoskins is hitting fifth,
2: sixth, seventh? I think you will notice it if they go to a bullpen guy that's unorthodox to today's game. If they go to a certain guy where the matchups maybe aren't as strong as something else, but they have this feel on a guy and they think maybe right now is the best situation, even though the numbers won't support it, maybe that's when we realize they're going against it. Is it
0: weird that they're literally bringing back the same roster, like lineup? I don't think it is. Like, you'd never see that. Well, it wasn't a problem, though. That wasn't the problem. They scored runs. I know. I would say, well, it goes back to what that guy said when he texted in a while back. Their offense was fine. Their starting pitching was okay. It wasn't great. But if they had a half-decent bullpen, they would have made the playoffs. Is If their bullpen's
2: half-decent this year, do they make the playoffs? I keep going back to no DH. If that's how this all plays out with the no DH and what they're doing with the playoffs, that all matters.
0: All right, when we come back, we'll get into some of these comments that have been coming in on the Eagles and Wentz and all that stuff.